is it that we can't forgive other people because we don't love other people, right? Working backwards. Yeah. Why is it we don't love other people? Because we don't, love, we don't ourselves. love ourselves. Yep. And it seems simple, but like how many times in your life, how many times have you been told, hey, you need to love yourself more. Take more time for yourself, right? Do something for yourself. It's always something else. It's always you have to take time and energy and give it to other things, you know, your job or your family or, you know, your friends or whatever obligations, right? They become obligations because you don't love them. Not that you don't love your family, but if you, if your family turns into obligation, then that's not love that that's a chore. And that's not what it is. That's not how it should be, but you can't do that. If you don't have the fundamental principle of loving yourself. Welcome to Chasing Leviathan. I'm here today with Cameron Harmon, uh, host of Hermit Radio, veteran of uh, uh, a veteran who uh, actually was deployed in Afghanistan. Uh, Hermit Radio is a podcast about personal growth, self-realization, and more. And also the author of a new book, Caveman to Philosopher. Cameron, wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Uh, so if you could just uh, today, we want to talk about how to grow from mindlessness to mindfulness. I know part of that journey has been from being a veteran in Afghan Afghanistan. And so just really excited today to uh, hear from you about this. Uh, if you can give us a little bit of the background of your life and how um, this journey towards mindfulness, this journey towards enlightenment and being a philosopher, um, love to hear it. Yeah. Well, it's a long story, but I'll do my best to keep it short. Hey, long stories are um, fine so, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I had a pretty average, you know, life growing up, I, I would say, um, you know, grew up in Oregon and typical, like, you know, your typical, like regular suburb, um, went to a normal high school, no, nothing special there, but nine 11 happens. And I knew from an early age after nine 11 happened that I wanted to serve in the military. Most of my family members on the male side were in the military. So I just I knew that that was my calling. Um, I get in the military. I realize that it's not really what I thought it was, mm. but I force myself to deal with it because I signed a contract and that's what I got to do. Yep. And there are times when I enjoy it, um, but very but pretty quickly, almost basically like a year and a half in, I go to Afghanistan. Afghanistan is, again, not what I expected. I dealt with a lot of things over there that I didn't think that I was going to be dealing with. It was very much the opposite of what I thought I was going to be doing there. Came back with a lot of baggage, didn't really understand it, thought I was fine until I wasn't. Hmm. And then I started very early on experiencing PTSD related symptoms, kind of just lied to myself about it. And the military at the time, back then, the military wasn't very forthcoming about people being honest about that. Hmm. Like, they didn't really want you to do that or talk about it. So I didn't. And then years down the road, um, I'm still in the army, but now I'm like a full blown raging asshole because I've got really bad PTSD and I've got some serious trauma. Then to put, add fuel to the fire, I started doing steroids and started weightlifting and being this massive dude. I was like twice the size that I am right now. And I'm lifting and I'm getting this huge ego, this huge personality, this war veteran, Arnold Schwarzenegger type mentality. Um, and people were intimidated by me. People uh, didn't challenge me on anything. Even my leadership at times, people that were higher ranking than me wouldn't challenge me. And so that just fed into it. Right. Yeah. Like I liked this. I wasn't getting bullied anymore. And that was something that I should have said is that like early in my army career, I was getting bullied a lot okay. um, because I was just kind of like a boy scout. I was a good kid. Yeah. But that is perceived usually as being a, a kiss ass or a brown nose. So I had to fight that for a long time mm. until I got my shot at being a leader. Um, but then then that's when all of that happened. So now, you know, fast forward, I get out of the army and I've got a lot of free time. I've got time to think. And I recognize that I'm always angry like the Hulk. And yeah. I don't understand. I'm getting into arguments with my wife and I'm just like, after it calms down, like there's nothing I can do about it when it happens. Right. It's only until afterwards that I can reflect that I'm like, why was I so angry? Is it really my wife's fault? Is it what we were talking about? Is it this one particular thing? What is it? And then after months and months of reflection and wanting to get better, I start realizing that 
No, dude, you're traumatized. You're just angry. No one's making you angry. You are already angry. All the and time. And everything else is triggering you. Yeah. And then, that, and that was a good place. So what do I do now? Now I start reading by just kind of chance. I started reading about Buddhism and I started learning about um, what I call the psych- the religion of psychology. And I started learning about the mind and what that is. And I started learning about what an ego is and how to deal with these things. And for the first time in my life, religion made sense. And all of these things started making sense. Then I started reading about all these other religions. I even went back to Christianity. I started, all of it started making more sense. And what it was doing was providing me with the space to be a better person. Cause that's what I was lacking is I wasn't a good person. I was a jerk. I was mean and uh, vengeful, but that's what I was trained to be. You know, you, I was spent eight years in the army and I was being trained to be a killer. That's what I was right. there to do. That's the whole, um, I mean, without, that's yeah. the point. That's the point. And so it's hard to just stop that, right? It's kind of like in Rambo, right? Nothing is over. You know, like that's, it's just like that. It wasn't over for me. And I felt like I didn't get enough, you know, and took a lot of time to unpack that. And, you know, I tried my, I tried my attempt at therapy several times. It didn't work for me. Hmm. What I needed was to figure it out on my own. I needed to figure out how to fix these things on my own. Then I start meditating. Meditating helps me calm down. It slows down my mind and my heart rate. Um, And again, just providing space to not be so angry or at least to understand why I'm getting angry. doesn't stop me all the time. I'm definitely much less angry. And that kind of thing doesn't happen to me nearly as often as it used to. And when it does, I'm pretty quick to realize, okay, am I being a jerk? Am I saying something that I probably shouldn't? Am I, you know, am I triggering somebody else? But the most important thing was that when I really figured this out for myself, I realized that this was a beautiful gift that I could give to other people. And thus why I do my podcast and wrote my book. Yeah. Hermit radio. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it's really interesting. I, I, the caveman to philosopher metaphor is making more sense now, especially like, mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely got, I ain't got time to bleed vibes from the whole, like you're, you're doing steroids. You're just trying to get big and you're trying to fulfill the role that you've been given the training that you're yes. given. Um, I love that this whole story of personal growth, something I'm doing with my digital agency right now. And I believe a lot of what you said, I resonate with. Um, I believe that uh, people who work together, if they become better people, then they will be better workers in ways that really matter. Right. So uh, I don't actually, I'm not a boss to anybody. We're all subcontractors. Right. Like, um, cause I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to mess with the HR stuff. And like, if someone doesn't want to work with me, I don't want to like make them work for me. But um, right. one of the, better decisions I've made uh, is that we all get together and every Thursday morning we go through a uh, a book on personal growth. So the book that we're going through right now is Thanks to the Feedback by Douglas Stone and Sheila Heen. Mm. And it is phenomenal. I, I It was one of those books like you keep every time you heard something about it, it wasn't just that people said it was good. They said it was like, like really good and they gave specific examples. You're like, ah, this must be something different. But just to give one thing from it, and I think this is this is what I heard in your story. Every time you are faced with a situation that you have to struggle with, you get a there's a first score, right? Did I succeed? Did I fail? Am I somewhere in between? But then what people don't realize is there's a second score. And the second score is how did you respond to the first score? And the second score is actually a better predictor in the long term of long term personal growth and success. And that's what I heard from your story, right? It's that you like mm. sat there and like, uh, you, you know, you kept failing, you kept failing, like why? And then you just stopped and you're like, okay, why am I failing? You know what I mean? Like, yes. why am I getting angry? I don't like these results. And being able to take that, you know, and that's a lot of um, the goal of mindfulness, right? Is that you take steps back so that you can be self-aware. And that's such a that's such a gift. So sorry, I, I know it's a little bit of a detour, but I just like really connected what you're saying there. Thank you. Good. Yes. No, I, I and that's what I want for everyone. Um, we're all angry about something. 
or we're sad or we're depressed or um, we have some kind of trauma that we're not acknowledging. I think the base level, before you can get to what you were talking about, you have to be able to take responsibility for what you've done um, in your own life. And that was what I was not doing, you know, yeah. like instead of realizing like that I'm angry, I'm like, all right, it's my wife's fault, you know, or it's this person's fault. They're pissing me off, right? No, I'm pissed off. I'm angry. But you can't do that until you have to ask the question first, right? And that is a level, you know, and this is what gets into Eastern philosophies like Hinduism and Buddhism. Who, you know, who is making the decisions? Who is getting angry? And my trauma related stuff to the military was, you know, I was blaming, you know, the Afghani people. I was blaming the army. I was blaming the government. I blamed everybody for these problems. But who signed the, their name on the dotted line? I did. Right. I signed up for all of that stuff, even though I knew it would be dangerous. I knew there was a chance I could get hurt and be exposed to something traumatic. Yeah. And I did that. So I took responsibility. And that that that's, you know, that's a good first step. Yeah. And that's huge. Um, cause if you, if you never recognize one that you have been hurt, that's it. That's big. And you, if you don't recognize that, like, okay, now what am I going to do about it? It is really, um, I have dealt with this on a personal level. I mean, everyone deals with this on a personal level, but I like, <laughs> I have worked with people very close to me who have had very serious personal trauma and uh, one mistake people make is like, oh, don't be a victim. And they just like immediately brush past the trauma and you can't do that. You have to go through it. You have to listen. You have to cope. But then also just like at the end of the day, it's like. I mean, the army's not going to apologize to you. <laughs> like, you're, you're like Cameron Harmon is a great guy, but Cameron Harmon does not have the ability to call the, <laughs> the U.S. military to account. It's too big. Exactly. And that's uh, that's a very Buddhist thing, right? Like you only control what you can control. Yes. Um, um, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's yeah, exactly. They, they don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they, they do really not care. do and not. It's yeah. like, is it that they don't care about me personally? Absolutely. They don't care about me personally. Do they care that people are getting traumatized? Maybe a little, but that's also right. What would they say if you were to ask like the top generals, like, what are we doing about this? That's a byproduct of the war. Sorry. Like, <laughs> if we're going to have war, we're going to have this thing. Yes. And so, and then what happens, right? Like, what is the military? The military is just basically like being on a high school football team, locker room talk, alpha type mentality, right? Don't be a bitch. Suck it up be a man right yeah. like this and you could say that that's in our culture anyways right yeah this this idea of you know we could say masculinity or we could say toxic masculinity right <laughs> does being tough always mean that that's what it means to be a man is being vulnerable being tough is being vulnerable allowing yourself to see your flaws and to not be an egotistical prick right could you still say that that's possibly brave and and manlike think it is it's just we don't talk about that yeah um you know and again what is that that's a by all of this is a byproduct of lineage it comes from our parents and their parents and their parents and their parents and their parents and all the way back since the beginning of wars and since the beginning of society and that, you know it's interesting i myself i'm a, a devout christian you know i talking about we talked earlier about the left-right narrative i've stayed away from saying conservative christian because that means a lot of different things to different people, but yes, um, the idea of generational sin of original sin is very similar to what we're talking about there, right? Like it just keeps getting mm -hmm. passed down and yes. um, it's always an amazing thing. And I have been grateful to be a part of moments where that has been broken, where I've seen cycles be broken, but that's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. I mean, even what you're talking about here, why did you go into the military? Nine 11. But also, yes. also why? Why did you, you said it earlier. Because of my family. Yeah, you're all the males, not all the males, but m many of the males in your family yes. went into the military. And that's like, that's what exactly. you knew. Um, and so that's just really interesting to me. Uh, talk to me a little bit about some of the concepts that really, obviously meditation was big for you. And uh, it's been interesting to me because coming from, I actually uh, was raised independent fundamental Baptist 
which was very exciting. Like rock music kills plants. So you shouldn't listen to rock music. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 that's pretty good. Uh, women shouldn't wear pants, um, yeah. which was also hilarious because we lived an hour and a half North of green Bay in Wisconsin. And it was like negative 30 degrees. And they're like, I guess women can wear pants. They're like wearing skirts, like walking in like 30 degree. <laughs> You're like, I, I, yeah. Anyways. So I've been able, I feel to keep my faith through that, but it is not, it's been in spite of that type of stuff. Um, but it, you know, even as we, as we sit here, like there are certain, there were certain concepts that, that guided my journey. And, you know, you've talked about, uh, meditation. So I, me coming to meditation, I was like, okay, it's just where you sit and go, um, and then to find out there's like <laughs> multiple kinds of meditation. Um, uh, I think his name's Duncan Russell. The guy did Midnight Gospel. Uh, yes. L- Midnight Gospel is, it is raunchy, but it is actually really powerful. The episode with his mom, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like, um, Try living it. Oof. Try living that. Yeah. That's what it is. Like we see that that show is is just a show is a cartoon, but um, that's just uh, uh, like a like an analogy. That's just a euphemism. But that those experiences, those things that he's talking about, they're very real. And especially when you're talking about psychedelics. Yeah, it, it that that parallels. And this is why, you know, <laughs> uh, archaeology, anthropology um, and some psychology kind of alludes to spiritual beliefs coming from psychedelic experience could be true not true yeah why can't it be both you know like yes it could be does that make it somehow less spiritual i don't think so i think that i mean that god created psychedelics i don't know if you like god created everything so <laughs> there you go it doesn't you have it. to be one or the other um you're right i mean if you want it to that's, be one or the other yeah. that's fine like you know i don't have to yes. get into like a fight about it it's like yeah anyways it's interesting yeah go ahead yeah no it, and that's 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 pretty much where i'm at is that um, you know, kind of like what we just touched on right there, right? Does it have to be true or not true? This is, you know, if you want to talk about like a Buddhist fundamental principle, that right there is called judgment. And that's the dualism. Right. Um, you know, in in Hinduism and Buddhism, it's it's the dualism, right? In the Tao, right, or in Zen, it is dualism. Um, in Christianity and Gnostic Christianity, that's the feminine and the masculine energies. But it's all alluding to the same thing, right? Christ and Satan, it's alluding to the same thing. Um, it's its about balance, right? This reality, this life we're living is about balance. And there is no escaping it. That's what I love about Buddhism is Buddhism is not telling you, you just do these things and you're going to go, you know, you're going to be blah, 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 blah. It's saying, do you want to live in pain and suffering? Or do you want to understand pain and suffering so that it is not as bitter and so you don't become callous to the world? That's what it's about. Yeah. It's not about alleviating suffering. It's just about understanding it so that it's not so detrimental. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just for uh, our listeners' sake, uh, what we were, what I was referencing with Duncan, is it Russell? Uh, I'm, Trussell. Trussell. Yep. Duncan yes. Trussell. The episode, it's actually a real thing that happened. He had, what they did is they took podcasts that were real from his life and they turned it into a cartoon and they kind of made it into a story. But that particular episode was about him interviewing his mom on the podcast when she was dying from cancer. And he just enters this space and they just cry together. And they make it about 30 seconds in the cartoon where they're just quiet and crying but apparently my brother told me in the real episode, it was about 10 minutes of them just crying together. And one that's really powerful. And I think that's what you're alluding to. Even like it's real. Like that's like not, yes. that wasn't even a metaphor. That was like something that really happened to Duncan. Yes. Um, and I think that kind of brings around to me because he talked about, uh, you know, I, I kind of got stuck on that, but that was a very powerful moment for me. He talks about uh, meditation and people talk about, like making your mind empty and I am not good at that. <laughs> and uh, he gave me a lot of permission. He's like, that's not the point. The point is to yes. create distance between yourself and your thoughts. And that was significantly easier for me. So, um, but that's, these are, uh, and I've talked to a couple other people about meditation, even through this podcast. So what I want to hear is from you, what do you think meditation is? Um, and I understand it can be different things. What has been most helpful for you as you've been working through things? Yeah. So, um, 
I think to clarify the first thing is I don't do any like specific type of meditation. Like what I've always done from the beginning was I just sat down and I tried to be as quiet as possible. And I just let whatever happened. Right. So there were times where I had like weird visions and there were times where I would just be really, really calm and at peace. And one of my favorite teachers, Ram Das, kind of has this explanation for it, but I'm going to try and put it in my own words the best that I can. Sure. But for me, meditation is about becoming nothing. Okay. Our problem as humans is that we try to make ourselves really important and we try to make everything in our lives very important. And what we need to do is to stop being so important, right? Why do people, I, people ask me this all the time when they want to talk about meditation. Most people that talk to me about it say, I can't do it because I can't sit still for five minutes. And I'm like, that's why you need it. Right. right. Like from a psychological perspective, this is you have anxiety and because you can't sit still, like that's your problem. So the whole point of meditation, forget all the spiritual aspects of it. You need meditation because you need to learn how to be quiet. You need to learn how to sit down and stop fidgeting. Yeah. Stop looking at your phone. Stop watching TV. Just sit and be quiet. And what happens? There's a barrier. It's kind of like when you talk to people about running a marathon, they hit a wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in the opposite for meditation, if you break past the wall, there is serene bliss in it. Yeah. If I sit for long enough, I will be like in total bliss. And that's what you need. And it's kind of like, I also kind of think of it as like recharging my batteries. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, um, well, I've been running like crazy the last couple uh, months because uh, our business has been busier than it's ever been. And I have felt, um, again, I come from a Christian background. And so, of course, I re reference things like Tolkien, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that line from uh, Bilbo, even as a kid, I felt this because I'm a very go, go, go kind of person. Uh, I feel like butter spread too thinly over too much bread. And I think that's in, I mean, that's why Lord of the Rings rings true. It's not a lot of the other stuff, right? Like people don't realize it's those little nuggets of wisdom. I'm like, if that doesn't sum up Western culture and like mm. living like the corporate rat race. And then you come home, yes. you're supposed to be a husband and a father, and it's too much. Like, there's not enough of you to go around. And it, what the weird thing is people don't realize is if they take the time to be silent and be with themselves, there'll be more of them to give to those things. Right? Like it. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, it's funny because I do this with my kids, I, um, and I haven't done it the last uh, month or so, but we were doing meditation together. And, uh, at first I wanted them to like actually do like the classic, like meditation <laughs> practice. And what I found them doing is they would get in my lap and then they would just sit quietly for like 10 minutes. And then they would just be, they would just be better throughout the day. And it mm. wasn't even about like, you know, people like, Oh, they behaved better. Cause that's like immediately a lot of like moms and dads are like, Oh, that's wonderful. You know, it was that they could that they were just better. They felt better. You could, it was, everything was easier uh, for them. Um, sorry, I'm talking a lot, but I just really appreciate <laughs> what you're, what you're sharing here. It really, uh, um, I think it's an important message. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and this is kind of like, I guess, you know, I'll do a little, <sighs> I, I don't want to give it completely away, but I, this is the premise for my, for my next book. Okay. I haven't started writing it yet, but okay. I have the fundamentals down of what I want. Yeah. Um, but ba basically I'm creating a method. I'm creating something based on three principles. Okay. And I think this could fix anyone. Um, and the three principles are learning how to love yourself, learning how to have compassion for other people, which is essence, loving other people and forgiveness forgiveness for yourself and forgiveness for others. Those three things right there are the most important values, the most important moral structure of anything that we could possibly imagine because we're missing all of it, right? Why is it that we can't forgive other people? Because we don't love other people, right? Working backwards. Yeah. Why is it we don't love other people? Because we don't, love, we don't ourselves. love ourselves. Yep. And it seems simple, but like how many times in your life, how many times have you been told, hey, you need to love yourself more? Take more time for yourself, right? Do something for yourself. It's always something else. It's always you have to 
take time and energy and give it to other things, you know, your job or your family or, you know, your friends or whatever obligations, right? They become obligations because you don't love them. Not that you don't love your family, but if you, if your family turns into obligation, then that's not love that that's a chore. And that's not what it is. That's not how it should be, but you can't do that if you don't have the fundamental principle of loving yourself. And what does that even mean? Right? I ask this question to people all the time. Um, what is love? What is it really? Baby, don't hurt me. Oh, sorry. Um, terrible, <laughs> yeah. terrible reference. I apologize. No, it's good. That's good. <laughs> no, the um, but truly, yeah. A uh, couple things that come to mind, uh, and I, I forgot to mention this earlier. You mentioned that becoming nothing. Uh, immediately, I think of humility, right, as like that fundamental virtue. Um, and then it's really interesting to me. Uh, and this has come up a couple times. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the documentary on Netflix called Fantastic Fungi. Mm, no, but I've I've heard people talk yeah, about it. Yeah, it's Paul Stamets, uh, the whole mushroom thing. And they give an evolutionary yes. backdrop and underpinning for why we should love our neighbor as ourselves, Which is really interesting and kind of unexpected from a documentary about mushrooms. <laughs> like a little bit like... Um, but what I love about what you're saying is that we can disagree about the metaphysical underpinnings, but we can agree that to like, we should be loving others as we love ourselves. And that is like, there's that Christian realization, like of like, you know, you're supposed to love others as you love yourself. And the J man said that once. Yes. Right. Right. But when you look at it, you're like, <laughs> oh, I have to love myself. Otherwise, if I hate myself, then loving other people, like I love myself, isn't going to work. You know, so it's like, uh, and then we could talk yes. about, it's amazing how much easier it is to talk about the metaphysical differences after everyone's agreed not to be a prick or an asshole or a jerk, you know, like the, the steroid double-sized drill sergeant yelling at people, right? Um, so, and I didn't want to get away from what you were talking about earlier, but like, I feel like that gives some context and just gives like some really beautiful common ground, which I think is the whole point of like what I want to do with this podcast. Um, love yourself, love others, forgiveness. Like you said, that's what we're missing in the world in general, right? And you can find that in a lot of different religions. So it's not that people don't agree that we shouldn't, we should, <laughs> you know, it's, that's not the problem, right? Um, yes. So when you look at these three things, what are some practical things you can do to, to accomplish those three things? So you're talking about the love, so your, your love yourself. You were kind of talking about that. Yeah. Oh, what is love? That, you asked me. Were you asking me or yeah, you just yeah, kind of, yeah. Um, no, go ahead. I'd love to hear your answer. And then I will go into those three things. I think there is. It's really important to recognize you that you have your own value regardless of what you do. And I think that's a really big, like, um, and that's coming from a Christian perspective. So when I talk about loving myself, I don't love myself because I'm PJ. I love myself because I'm a son of God and God loves me, which for Buddhism is going to be like that universal principle. Right. But like this idea that like, I have the image of God in me. How dare I? And I've, I've talked about this even with my wife when she says things negative about herself, right? I say things like, mm. don't talk about my wife like that. And so when I get negative about myself, I say, don't talk about God's son like that. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's the, whole, like the that. whole distance side of things where you're like, I, I know, like, I'm not going to let someone be negative about another person. But it's, a, it's amazing how we're e so easily allowed to be negative about ourselves. And so recognizing yeah, that certainly. it starts from that I am loved mm. by the creator yeah. of the universe. Um, and so the grace that comes from that is overflowing and abundant in regard to like over and above any mistakes I make. Because that's where a lot of it comes from, right? You, you mess up on things and you're just like, I can't believe I did that. And that's not where like... Uh, it's not about saying there isn't sin and there aren't problems. It's about saying that grace is more abundant, that the, the favor and the power of God is more abundant than that. 
certainly. So that's I mean that's I what like I, that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Now now I'd like to I'd like to go at this from a non-religious sure, point of view for people for who are yeah. for who are not, right? And this is what I do is I try to approach everything from a spiritual perspective, but then also try to relate it to psychology and science so that yeah. everybody can have something to do with it. Yeah, love it. Yeah. So from a clinical standpoint, right? What is love, right? We, we frequently most experience it when we see children, right? Like it's easy to love your child because it's your flesh. It's it's something that comes from you. It's yeah. your DNA. Um, it's easy to love animals, right? Why is it that we love animals so much, but we don't love each other? Because animals don't fight back. Mm. Animals don't talk back. They don't argue with you. They don't, right? They're just little fluff balls like, you know, cats or dogs. They They love you unconditionally because you feed them because you give them attention right so when i think about this idea of love i think of love think about how what we need is an unconditional love that has no strings attached right the only things that usually have that are animals but even you could even argue the animals it's some kind of string attached because they're feeding you or you're feeding them and whatever but even then just let's get it to the most primal level that we can think about how your dog or your cat loves you right when when you walk in the door your dog is just there and it is just waiting for you because it just wants to be around you it just feels that your presence your energy and it loves to sit in your lap and it loves to just be next to you right same thing with a cat or whatever I'm not going to so lie. Now, the reason I'm laughing is because I did think I was like, I immediately thought of dogs, but I was like, yes, definitely depends on the cat for the unconditional yes. love <laughs> of things. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I, ch- I track sure. what you're saying. No, it's, it's why they're man's best friend, right? No, absolutely. Yes. So now we take that example, right? Yeah. How do we apply that to human beings? Well, right now it's really hard. Why? Because there are too many strings attached, right? Mm. You think that you, that, you know, and again, let me let me back this up a little bit. I had a problem with understanding this because I never understood it fully. When I was a young man, I thought love meant having sex. I thought that and I mean it's even in the term making love, oh, right? Yeah. Right? So I thought that in a relationship with somebody as long as I was having sex with my partner that meant that we were in love. But then when that stopped happening or if there was an infrequent amount of it, again, remember I was on steroids, right. so lots of hormones there. I'm already at a disadvantage because I already in my belief system think that being a love just means sex. I don't even understand all the other components to it. So I ruined countless relationships because of that. And then I met my wife and my wife and I have something I have never experienced with another human being, which is utmost trust. I trust her to not hurt me. I trust her to have my back, right? Even if we don't agree, even if we don't see eye to eye, I know that she's not going to do something deliberately to hurt me or hurt my feelings. And that to me was a true look at love. And that's, that's only still a glimpse of it, right? Mm. Understanding, right? compassion right doing something for someone like we're really good about this at the beginning of relationships and then it tends to fade away why does it fade away because we get burnt out we don't know how to recharge our batteries right think about what you do for your partner in the beginning of a relationship you do nice things for them you maybe take them out on dates right you do things that they want to do right that is love that is love but that gets burnt out. And why does it get burnt out? Because what inevitably happens is you're busy giving it to each other. And then eventually you get tired, you get drained and then it stops because neither of you have enough left. Cause you're not loving one yourself. person does exactly. You're not recharging your batteries. Yeah. So what does that look like? And I, and I like to look at this. Um, if you look at Keanu Reeves, people talk to him all, about this all the time when he was in a when periods of being alone, he said, I'm not lonely. I take myself out on dates. You know, I go do things with myself. We have forgotten that we have all, and this is a Western society problem in the Western society. You have to be married with kids and a white picket fence and a house. That's when you feel accomplished and have everything. Yeah. We've never been taught that you already have everything. Everything else is a bonus. Yes. You know what I mean? We all have things we like, but we think that when we get into a relationship, that means that we got to do less of the things we like because we got to dedicate it to that person or our kids or a job or gen- you know? like, do you even like that job maintaining the house and the picket fence and the, and it's like, yes, the picture, uh, it was a well-defined picture of something very precious for some specific people. And then over time it became more about the picture and then about, then about the principles underlying it. Right. Cause there is yes. something like, and I mean, everyone's different, right? But for a lot of people, 
having like a really good family who really love each other looked like that, right? Like you, you went out and you enjoyed being in the backyard together. Uh, I am blessed. I live in this multi-generational home with my parents and we just like the kids go outside and we, <laughs> we have a vinyl fence, but it is white. The, uh, and they go out in the back and they play and we just sit out in the back and we drink coffee in the morning and we watch the kids play in the backyard. And those are some of the happiest moments of my life. But it's not because like to focus on the fence in the house is to miss everything important about that picture. Yes. Because if I'm fighting with my parents or my wife, the fence doesn't matter. <laughs> You're right. And then for most people, what I ask them, um, I talk to people a lot. Um, I talk to, you know, veteran friends that are getting out. They, they yeah. obviously have seen the change in me and they want to understand it better because they want it for themselves. Right. And typically the first question I ask people is, um, when was the last time you did something for yourself? Right. Mm. Not cleaned up the house, not, you know, drank beer and watch Netflix. I mean, like when was the last time th again, let's back up when you're a kid, you do a lot of stuff that's fun. Yeah. You play, you use your imagination, you go to the movies, you know, you do these things, right? You go hang out with other friends and play. We forget that as adults, so we lose that. And so my question to people who ask me these things, I'm like, when was the last time you did something for yourself? Something genuine. And usually people are like, I can't remember. I don't know. And I'm like, well, start there, right? This is the one of the most fundamental. You want to talk about like these practices, one of the first things I did for myself was I made a list, you know, when I start, what I went through was like an identity problem. Yeah. I'm like, all right, now I'm done being a soldier. I'm done being a bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. Who am I now? Well, the first place I started with was what makes me happy. Yeah. And I made this long list of those things and I was in a place where I was unhappy. So what I started doing was every day, I just tried to include more of those things. Maybe it's watch a TV show I like. Maybe yeah. it's read a book. Maybe it's listening to music or going for a walk. And just little by little, I add more of those things. Doesn't take away from my responsibilities. It just means that I, when I have those times, those gaps in between, instead of just mindlessly sitting on the couch and not doing anything, I try to use it for productivity to make me happy. Well, and I love what you just said there. As a digital marketer, I feel this. People don't want to be mindful and pay attention because they're tired. And so what happens is uh, we have this entire economy now built on attention in the last few years. We have uh, people's data has become more valuable than oil. And so what's happened is every company is vying for your attention. And so people just give away their attention instead of actually thinking like, is this actually making me happy? And so exactly what you're talking about being like watching stuff on Netflix that you actually they don't it doesn't do anything for you. You know, like there's a huge difference between watching a show that is well crafted and just watching junk because you just want to tune out when at that point what your mind is really screaming for is to be completely quiet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I yes. that's like uh, be, and that's where um, I just had a episode a couple episodes ago about um dark patterns and web design there are people who are literally trying to keep your mind unquiet because they'll get more of your attention and so though what you're saying is just even more and more important yeah society is not is not um it's kind of like we were talking about the military right do you think the military cares about my ptsd no do you think society cares about your anxiety no it actually thrives off your anxiety right yeah i mean we all say this thing what's the typical thing we say with media right Fear cells. Oh, it, well, and this is actually interesting. So fear cells. Do you know what sells more is um, creativity and powerful, inspirational, positive speech? Yeah. But this is what people don't realize. To do that in a way that sells is very difficult. You have to be really mm. good at it. You have to actually be authentic. You have to actually be creative and you have to actually inspire people. And I think that's what for the lowest effort, what sells best is fear. And that's what I've seen. You know, like the stuff that rises to the very top are works of great genius. But the stuff that exists here in the profitable zone just below it is all fear. 
And I think that for me, the reason that's important is I my goal in life is to write the, this huge book of philosophy of art. That's like my uh, end goal. Um, I mean, there's a lot of other things that are important to me, but that's like a big deal for me. So when I when I think about artists and I'm like, they feel this need to like fill this profitable niche and to look at it and be like, no, 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 no. Keep going on what, what people don't even realize they want, but that you know that they need. And to push on that is is really powerful. I, sorry, not to like, but like, you, <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying about like the fear sells thing? Yes. Because we do see people who aren't, like Keanu Reeves is a great example. Keanu Reeves is an inspiring individual because he literally does not care. But it's hard to achieve that level of like, it's not because he doesn't care. He's an authentic, genuine person from everything I've ever seen. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's I mean, he, hard to he, achieve. Yes. Um, I don't know that he's a practicing Buddhist, but I know that he has been involved in Buddhist practices yeah. and re, and like he was even involved, like he was even on a Buddhist documentary. So oh, I didn't know um, that. Yeah. I, yeah. Guaranteed. Um, guaranteed. What he's doing is he's practicing some kind of, uh, you know, probably much like what I'm doing is some kind of like combination of things like Taoism and Zen. You know, it's like. People think Zen is hard, but Zen is really simple. It's the simplest of any religion or philosophy. People make it hard. Just like I said, you know, guns don't kill people. People kill people. Government's not bad. People in government are bad. People in the media are bad, right? Not the media itself. It's just people. And why is that, right? Like, why is that? Why, you know, you could even argue, let's, you know, philosophically wise, why are people inherently evil? It's not that they're inherently evil. They're inherently corrupt. And it becomes easy to become corrupt, right? And that itself, again, is a generational problem. If you grow up in in, in an environment like the Vanderbilts, right, or uh, the Rockefellers or any of these like multi-billionaire generational families, you are going to have a bias. You are going to be in, in a family of a certain power structure. Like, why wouldn't you? Or like in the Trump family, right? Why wouldn't you think that you have some kind of level up on other people? Why wouldn't, you know what I mean? Somebody born into a family like that, why do you really think that they would put themselves down at the bottom of the barrel with people? It becomes very difficult to relate. Same thing with intellectuals. Because other people Intell are constantly trying to like make you feel special. Yes. Sorry, but go ahead, continue. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. People, people are making you feel special and that is encouraging your cognitive dissonance. That is, that is encouraging your irrational behavior and you don't know better, right? So, and I will try to simplify this the best thing that I can. What is all of that? That's the ego. That's your identity, right? Right. And now if, if you'll enthuse me, I'd like to, I'd like to play a little um, game. Sure. If you would be so kind as to play. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to ask you these questions and it's not hard. I'm not trying to trick you. I just want you to answer them to the best of your ability. Totally okay? fine. Yep. Who, who, who are you? Uh, I am PJ weary. Uh, Christian, uh, husband, father, son, uh, writer. Okay. Podcaster. There's two, things, <laughs> there's two yeah. things you said in there. One thing you said your name. Yeah. You didn't pick your name. Secondly, I said, who are you? Not what are you? Yeah. You named what you are, not who you are. Yeah. So now the next question is, who is PJ? Not what is PJ? Who is PJ? Uh, I tend to prefer thick descriptions, and that's where, like, a lot of what I want to focus on is what, how narrative gives to truth. So for me, the thing that has emerged as like very distinctly PJ is that when I am, uh, is that I am very much a truth seeker, and for what that looks like is, if I don't understand something, I will stay up and I will pace the kitchen floor for two to three hours trying to figure out what it is until I come to mm. something that I feel like is a satisfactory answer. Yes. So again, now, now you're talking about like your ideals, you're talking about your beliefs. Sure. This is not wrong, but what this, what I'm doing is I'm taking you further and further behind yeah. what you believe. It's just like an onion. Right. And then inevitably what happens if I do this long enough, you're going to say, you're going to say me, or you're going to say, I, you know, at some point I've had people say, I don't know. And that's a good place to be because 
when we talk, right, when we're communicating by ourselves, do we say in the first person um, cam or in the third person Cameron wants something or JP needs this or JP wants this? No, we say I. Yeah. And so then the question is, what is I and who is I? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, and the, you didn't have to go much further because after <laughs> after the kitchen <laughs> thing, it is like I like. That's me. I'm PJ. That's what I do. Like, and that's what, that's who I am, you know? And I, and I love it. I, uh, the more time I can spend reading and delving into things and learning and just absorbing, I'm just a very open person. And I love that, but it's really at the end of the day, it's, I mean, there's a lot of other people who do the same thing. What makes me unique is that I am me. Mm. Yes. And then, you know, again, it doesn't really help that we have bodies that are intrinsically different. Right. But arguably, we're all human. So my my point with all of this line of questioning is that what happens is that when we realize and this is again, this is a Buddhist and a Hindu kind of philosophy. What we are is a presence. We are we are an awareness. Right. We have a body. We are not a body. We have a mind. We are not the mind. Right. Why are people afraid Mm. of their thoughts? Because they don't know that they're not real. When they have a scary thought, something that says like, I want to go stab that person. They they get freaked out because they think that's somehow real, but it's not. And people will spend all their time trying to turn off their brain and turn off their mind. And you can't turning off your brain and turning off your mind. would be like trying to stop your heart from beating. It's just happening. It always is happening. We have this beautiful, extremely developed mind that is capable of thinking, right? And the thinking allows us to do things like have rational thought and to have logic and to determine whether a situation is dangerous or not. But we don't know how to deal with that because we're not always in that kind of situation. Most of our day to day situations are what kind of coffee do I want in the morning? And that is even a battle, right? Like, oh, I don't know. We go to the grocery store. I don't know what I want at the grocery store. Honey, what do you want for dinner? I I don't know. You pick, right? (laughs) Because we're overthinking. We're overdoing it. And that's the beauty of Buddhism is that it's a practice about how to get that sucker in control. But that's what the Stoics are talking about. The philosophers of, our, of the of the Greek right. and Roman time. Oh, yeah. That's what they're talking about. It's the same thing. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It's the similarities in terms of ethics. Um, and there are some clear differences among different ethical systems. But uh, it's a very human thing to want to... Um, fight over the differences instead of being like, you know, we agree on 95% and we're not doing the 95%. Right. <laughs> it's like, yes. <laughs> it's like, you know, if we weren't ripping people off, how much energy we could save. Um, it's really true. Uh, lot to think about there. Really appreciate <laughs> it. And, um, you know, so is there anything, uh, obviously it sounds like we're tracking a little bit through your book here, Caveman to Philosopher. Yes. Is there another, uh, so obviously that concept was really big that we just kind of encapsulated there. Is there another thing that you feel like is a major stepping stone for people to reach uh, some kind of, it sounds like personal peace is kind of, what's the end goal? I think that's a, a better question. What's the mm. end goal for you as, uh, is it personal peace? Or is it, uh, is it some grand purpose? What, what is Cameron's goal? That's a great question. So I had this very beautiful experience while I was meditating. Mm. And it's very hard to describe what I experienced. And some might relate it to a psychedelic experience, but I wasn't using psychedelics. I was just meditating. But when I came out of that meditation, I had a, an extreme and profound sense of bliss. And for like a couple of weeks, I was really riding in the clouds. I was just in the earth, but not of it. But there was one thought I had that brought me crashing right back down to earth. And that was, this is nice, but it's not forever. And it's not just for you. If you want to go back there, you got to get everybody else to catch up with you. Hmm. And what that for me means. And this is, you know, this is, again, my personal belief as far as like religion, like I'm a student of religion. Yeah. When Jesus says things like um, bring heaven to earth. Yeah. And when the Buddha talks about nirvana and in Hinduism, we call it talk about samadhi. 
um, or, or in Zen, we call it Satori. They're all saying the same thing. And it's not somewhere you go. You're already there. It's a state of mind. What is that state of mind? That state of mind is bliss. It's a place without anxiety. It's a place without doubt um, and unquestioning place of comfort. But the only way to get that is to realize who you really are, to stop beating yourself up over minute things and to stop punishing other people for what they're doing. Mm. And this is right now what we're living in. This society, the way that we're doing things right now, that is the cusp of everything that I'm describing. We live in a time where people are judgmental and rude and selfish and ignorant. I can't be in that place that I described until I get other people to catch up. And so that means that I probably won't get back to that in this lifetime. What it means for me is leaving something behind so that I can show people the way. And in um, actually in my book, yeah. I write something here and I'd like to read it to kind of, if I it. could describe it. Yeah. If I could describe it, I, I would in this book. Okay. Life seems problematic because we are constantly trying to fight it. Bruce Lee once said, be like water. Water is formless. Water can take form of a cup or a teapot. It can be smooth one moment and come down crashing in the next. When we experience life instead of forcing it, we become like water and go with the flow. Going with the flow of life can make us feel light as a feather, giving us a little pep in our step. All it takes is to embrace it to become one with life. The world around you will start to have more color. People will begin to seem less scary and more relatable. This, my friends, is what it means to become a lighthouse, a bright and shining light that others will follow. But before we can change the world, we must first change ourselves. You know, uh, Cameron, this has been absolutely phenomenal. And there's part of me that wants to keep talking, but I feel like that is just <laughs> the best way we could wrap this up. So um, to our listeners, if you want to learn more, follow up uh, with Hermit Radio podcast, uh, check out Caveman Philosopher. Cameron, it's been an honor and a pl uh, pleasure to have you on today. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. I appreciated the conversation. Awesome.